care for all Your bros can suck my balls Fuck your reply guys Please don't fuck your reply guys Just listen to reply guys Hello and welcome back to Reply Guys The leftist feminist comedy podcast for the rest of us I am Kate Willett And I'm Julia Clare so if you hear like a weird noise in the background, that's my cat purring and I am periodically pushing her away, but on such a difficult day, I don't have the heart to completely kick her out. I, I mean, I think that's, that's fair and that's good. And I think that we should be, be holding close to our cats in this time. We are trying to get this episode out as soon as possible. So the recording you are hearing may be a Zoom call, which is not our normal audio quality. Uh, but with the news changing so quickly, we are uh, trying to prioritize speed today so that if at all possible, this content is still relevant at the time that you were listening to it. <laughs> uh, that being said, how are you, Julia? Whoo! Um, I'm okay. I'm doing better, I guess. Than I was last night. I don't know. I thought that I had prepared to watch the returns come in emotionally, and I had not. Um, I just can't believe that like more people voted for Trump than in 2016. I know. I'm like, who this are is... these new people that are like, this is going great? I know, and that's what I kept seeing. Uh, that yeah, Trump is outperforming himself from from 2016, which is absolutely fucking bonkers but um yeah i i don't i don't know i'm uh it's a sad day for america uh anyway you slice it yeah i mean it's just like i don't i'm thinking about these people that are still so committed to the idea that centrism is what is electable that's mm. one of the most kind of compelling things from last night and it's like joe biden may still get this but it is just i mean it's a squeaker you know if he does get it and you know i think we're still kind of waiting at this point to see you know to what extent republicans may or may not be able to bush be gore you know but if joe biden does win this we might even know you know tonight we might know a couple weeks from now it's developing quickly um but uh you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, he, he's not going to win by very much. I was wrong about that. I kind of thought, all right, well, the pandemic Trump has done such a bad job that people will turn out for Joe Biden, which is something that like, I was always worried wouldn't happen just because Biden is such a flawed candidate. But I mean, apparently there's people who think that, uh, Trump, uh, killing over 200,000 people is, is still better than what, what they have going with Joe Biden. Is just a whoopsie daisy. Now, I mean, in fairness to Joe Biden, a sentence, uh, a preface to a sentence that I hate saying, um, he is currently on track to receive the most votes in U.S. presidential history. Um, and he will still handily uh, win the popular vote, it looks like. But yeah, it's uh, it's a depressing day. Just the yeah, I mean, uh, how many people still voted for at this point? Someone we can confidently call a full fascist is uh, is really depressing, and obviously it's made worse by all of the voter suppression and you know just the inherent nature of the electoral college, which is you know just structural disenfranchisement. Um, I see Pearl agrees and oh did you hear I did yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's been I, I mean and we knew the senate map was going to be tough but and you know I, we should say that uh, it's currently 6 40 uh, eastern time on Wednesday when we're recording this and um, you know we're still waiting on Pennsylvania North Carolina um, Georgia and a few other states to be called that are, are important. Um, but 
Yeah. So if Biden wins Pennsylvania, he wins. But yes. Republicans are trying to have a bunch of ballots thrown out in the courts there and kind of TBD. He wins Georgia and North Carolina. He wins. If he wins Georgia, wait, and who, who wins? Biden. Biden. Well, yeah, and Biden is projected to win Arizona. I don't know if that has officially been. Yeah, but he'd have to win Georgia too and Arizona, assuming he did not win Pennsylvania. If he yeah. wins Pennsylvania, it's like it's a wrap. Yeah, a because wrap. he's he's basically. I think he's right now in within six votes, six electoral votes of two seventy um currently yeah if he wins north carolina and arizona he wins too i think and if he wins uh north carolina and nevada he wins and if he wins arizona and nevada he wins uh people are really like paying a lot of attention to pennsylvania because that's the easiest path to victory but Mm -hmm. i mean I don't know. It's it's definitely like horrifying and disconcerting to see how many people voted for Trump. But it's looking like at this moment at 640 on Wednesday that Biden's chances are increasing and Trump's chances are decreasing. Yes. And Pennsylvania basically, you know, Polls, obviously polls are continually wrong and have been for years, but a lot of the projections did show that in Pennsylvania, day of voting would lead towards Trump, but absentee voting and um, mail-in voting would kind of carry Biden to to the end. And that is currently what we're waiting on. Of course, the Republicans are fighting tooth and nail. uh, What's his name? Fucking Rudy Giuliani. He's like, I'm going to Philadelphia. (laughs) And uh, he was tweeting about how he's physically going to Philadelphia to stop people from cheating, which is very funny to me. Yeah, Um, it's really... Cheating to him is just counting the ballots. Yeah, I mean, it's... um, I mean, I feel like this is all kind of playing out in the way that seemed most likely, you know, in the way that people have been talking about for weeks of, you know, like the map kind of- I am surprised he won Wisconsin. I'll say, I'll say that. I thought that like, I was more worried about Wisconsin than I was about Pennsylvania. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, I I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there's nothing really super surprising about what's happening right now, including the fact that Trump is calling the counting the ballots cheating. Yeah. Um, And he also says, he also uh, tweeted that he claims electoral victory in Pennsylvania and Virginia and all these other states. Yeah. I mean, none of this is like, this is like all kind of exactly what people anticipated. You know, Bernie yeah. Sanders was out, out here talking about this like weeks ago, but I do think that last night there was like a kind of profound shock uh, because I don't know. I think we've just been sort of like fed for weeks that like Biden was going to do really well because that is what a lot of the polls were saying um and i also think that i just i don't know to me like even though i'm typically distrustful of pollsters and pundits like the pandemic has just seemed so bad that like even though i never would have been someone who would have thought that biden could win this like last year i I started to feel like, okay, like people can't possibly be on board with what's happening right now. Trump might get a lot of the votes he got in 2016, but certainly no one new will join up. And I like a lot of people was completely wrong about that. Like there are people who are like, you know, either like Biden is so bad that I just can't or, uh, you know, Trump has done things that I liked in the past few years. I I definitely think that 
all of these kind of messages about COVID that like Biden's going to lock you in your house forever and you'll have no Christmas and Thanksgiving. And like, the, like the, the Republican Party has been pretty successful at like blaming the uh, economic failure on the shutdowns instead of the virus. And yeah, that's actually what a lot of the exit polling showed that um, people whose top concern was, quote unquote, rebooting the economy disproportionately voted for Donald Trump, which is so fucking cuckoo to me. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think this really does to me lay bare as as 2016 did as well but i just we are living in a different world than other people in this country i think like i just think that people's modes of of information are so disparate um I don't know. Uh, it, yeah, obviously it makes me very sad. I think like I would have loved, yeah, I, I never thought it was going to be a landslide and I never, like, I always thought that Joe Biden would win the popular vote. That was never up in the air. I, I don't know. I, but the, yeah, yeah, I am shocked that Trump is outperforming himself from four years ago and um but i think what's what was more shocking to me and what is more of just a naked embarrassment for the democratic establishment has been the senate races <laughs> yeah let's talk about that for a minute i i know you are more up to speed on that than uh, i am okay so i will so uh, it was a big night for republicans uh which is upsetting there were you know there were a lot of of these races that that we knew were not going to be competitive uh and we knew we're strong red states totally but um yeah there were some big upsets um i think the biggest one to my mind was that susan collins in maine kept her seat um and she won with 51.1 percent of the vote to sarah gideon's 42.3 percent of the vote um and Maine also had Maine has ranked choice voting. So uh and I, I know that the Green Party in Maine was encouraging people to rank Sarah Gideon as number two, even if uh if they voted for their candidate just because they want Susan Collins out so badly. So Maine is one and I and I was looking at the numbers. I, Maine is one of those very strange states, even though it's considered a blue state, it there are clearly a lot of Republicans who live there, but also it was another there were three races that predominantly were funded by outside of the state donors. Um, and Maine was one of them, Sarah Gideon, the Democratic nominee there. Uh, of course, Amy McGrath in Kentucky. I uh, and I'll get to her in a minute. And yeah, yeah there's lots to say about <laughs> there's Amy. So much to say about Amy, and also uh, Jamie Harrison in uh, South Carolina. Jamie Harrison, to his credit, and we'll just go to him. He is to me. To me, he was the most kind of legitimate and uh was was the most uh of of those three democratic challengers was the most um kind of already of an institution within his community he's someone who's been around for a long time and has a lot of a lot of history there and he and i think his his performance showed it uh he uh lindsey graham ended up winning uh 54.8 to jamie harrison's 43.9 percent I still think that's, I mean, that's, you know, nine points, uh, less than nine points. I think that that's a, a pretty competitive turnout. And uh, especially in a hard, a hard red state like South Carolina. Um, but let's talk about Amy McGrath. Um, okay, let's talk about it. She fucking sucks. She and no sucks. one's giving her money. <laughs> and people yelled at me when I said, stop giving her money. She already has a lot and she's not going to win. 
And people yelled at me for that. And I was like, there's so many other races you can donate to that are actually competitive. And um, she lost by over 20 points. Mitch McConnell got 58.2% of the vote to Amy McGrath's 37.8% of the vote. That is a fucking embarrassment, especially when you consider that Amy McGrath raised $88 million and spent $73 million. That is fucking nuts. And this is what happens when you just run a candidate based on these kind of arbitrary demographic boxes that a candidate ticks and you don't, and and they're, they're not running on any real platform. She had no discernible platform to speak of. She was not offering people in Kentucky a viable alternative to Mitch McConnell, especially when Mitch McConnell is Senate majority leader. Obviously that was going to be an uphill battle to begin with because he is so powerful but this is just like this should be something that sends shockwaves through the democratic establishment and i know it won't but it should um because that is a criminal amount of money to light on fire for a candidate that was again offering the people of kentucky essentially nothing different from Mitch McConnell. She said that she was going to be more pro-Trump than Mitch McConnell. That's in, that is, I mean, I, we talked about this with uh, Tom and Terrence from the Trillbillies a few weeks ago. And yeah, I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I'm just, I'm truly disgusted with that, with that race. Because it is, again, it's just a criminal amount of money to waste. Yeah. Um, Especially when when Charles Booker was right there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, with both, like, Amy McGrath and Biden, it's just, like, you know, this narrative that, like, centrism is what's electable. I mean, maybe Biden will squeak it by, but, like, you know, the idea that... Uh, we have to go with a candidate who is either a Republican or almost a Republican every time because, uh, you know, that's what's electable. It just, you know, it loses again and again. John Kerry, Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden might squeak this by, but it's not not looking good. You know, Amy McGrath, like, all, you know, John Ossoff, all these, uh, you know, it's just I don't even know if. I don't think that most of the pundits who espouse this or, you know, these kind of like Democratic Party hacks like Rahm Emanuel, I'm not sure that they actually believe that. I'm not sure that Obama even believes that. Uh, Obama is definitely somebody who partially won by presenting himself as a progressive in 2008, even while he was like kind of quietly saying to you know, the banks and the donors behind the scenes, like, don't worry. But, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I just, I always go back and forth with this. And what I think is true is that these people just, it's not about what they actually think will win the most elections. That is like a straw man. uh, And, you know, Nancy Pelosi isn't afraid that the Green New Deal will alienate centrist voters or anything like that it's it's much more about not alienating the donor class and it's just really upsetting the extent to which like so many just rank and file voters have complete cable news brain i mean and just have like internalized this message of like centrism is electable when there's really not like a ton of evidence of that if if none at all and you know it's just like it's fucked up. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of debate online in the past uh, day about whether Bernie would have won. And I'm not someone who would ever be like, yes, for sure. Bernie would have won because I just, you know, counterfactuals, there's no way to really know, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's just, it's certainly hard for me to imagine that he would have done 
worse than Joe Biden. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of people who would have been motivated to show up by like the $2,000 a month that he wanted to give people for COVID relief, um, you know, by Medicare for all, by uh, any number of the programs that would meet people's material needs. And it's like, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, they would have uh, painted him as a socialist or whatever, but they also painted Biden as a socialist. And even what Biden's campaign was like sort of out there campaigning, like, you know, uh, in Florida, they made t-shirts um, that said uh, anti-communista to try to attract uh, Cuban voters in Florida. And it's like, Biden still lost that state. I don't know. I'm just, I, these like Lincoln Project Republicans or whatever, there's just, there's not that many of them. I definitely think that there's like way more young people, people on the left. The, that is how Obama won. And just really, really, really hard for me to imagine that Bernie Sanders would have done worse than Joe Biden yesterday. Well, I, I do know that Obama also won a lot of independent voters. And I do, th I, I mean, so far the numbers have shown that, that Joe Biden has done better with, in a lot of states with independent voters than Hillary Clinton did. Um, he's not way outperforming Hillary the way that he should have, certainly. But yeah, I mean, I, we can never, we can never know these things. I, I do think, uh, you know, just, I don't think that Joe, I, I, I find Amy McGrath so uniquely despicable uh, that I, I almost think that like saying that she and Joe Biden are the same is an insult to Joe Biden, who I also don't like. Um, but because he, like Joe Biden is, we talked about this a few weeks ago too with the fellas and, you know, Joe Biden is, is running on a, a definitively different set of principles than Donald Trump in a way that Amy McGrath was truly not with Mitch McConnell. Um, yeah. And Charles Booker was such a great candidate. Oh, he's the best, the best yeah. man. Yeah. It was so um, cool to get to talk to him. And oh, I, yeah, I don't know. We want to, so we want to give a shout out to, to um, a number of our former guests who won their races definitively last night. Uh, Mondaire Jones in New York 17 uh, Farsufran Forrest, uh, who won for the New York State Assembly. Uh, Jabari Brisport, who won for the New York State Senate. And yeah. Oh, and of course, Ed Markey. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, also, Kate, I really, I forgot to tell you this, but my dad was referring to our podcast because he was talking about Ed Markey to me and he called our podcast uh supply guys <laughs> the supply guys <laughs> like very confidently too yeah your podcast supply guys and i'm like that sounds like our our like wario podcast where it's like <laughs> our like republican mirror podcast that's all about the free market uh <laughs> supply guys yeah <laughs> totally that's so funny i uh how is your how is your family like doing with uh, election stuff? Um, my dad's been very optimistic about about the Democrats this whole time. He really, yeah. I mean, my mom is, and I, I might have said this before. My mom is just like, I'm excited for it to be over. It's so unpleasant. <laughs> That's and, the most like Massachusetts mom answer. I know, in the world. and. So, I mean, they both voted. They're both like big time voters. They, uh, my dad voted for Ed Markey and left president blank. And I guess that's just because Kate, you and I could not get Joe Biden to come on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. Massachusetts. Once again, it looks, I'm Massachusetts was one of the first called in the night and Massachusetts. Once again, it looks like all the counties went for, Biden went blue, um, but my dad was, you know, the Ed Markey sign is still up on their lawn. So, yeah, I'm really like, 
I my like one of my election discourse pet peeves is just like how many people do not understand the electoral college like people who are just I don't know spending all of their time yelling at people who are voting for third parties in very safe blue or red states especially blue states uh people who are I don't know like well you know what really you know what's crazy is that i was looking at and even though though new york is quote unquote blue if you look at our counties in new york almost all even though even though joe biden won new york almost all the counties <laughs> went for trump <laughs> yeah i mean i'm saying new york is a very politically diverse area like if you go you know if you drive around up there it's like trump sign biden sign trump sign biden sign it is it's a truly heterogeneous um political landscape i don't know i mean i just i i really wish that it's like it's definitely looking like at this point that even if biden squeaks it by that it's going to be with the senate probably in republican control uh a, a slimmer Democratic majority in the House. And then obviously, you know, with ACB, we have a, a Six to three. super conservative Supreme Court. You know, it's just like... I mean, there will be... So my dad was actually trying to talk me off a ledge about that because I was, I was going down this exact rabbit hole um, being like, oh, how much can he even do uh, if, he, if he wins? But I mean clearly there's so much in the way of like executive orders and especially just federal leadership uh like leadership at the federal level about covid just like letting the scientists and doctors lead the charge here which has been absent for the past year um yes like i mean is, yeah there is a totally lot that you can do yeah, that's totally true that there would be still a lot that he could do. But here's the thing. It is like, it is almost impossible to get elected Democrats to do anything at all. And if there is any way to use Republican blockage as an excuse for why they will not do something, that is something that they will do, as we saw again and again and again in the Obama administration, even there's a weird rewriting of history that, you know, it's like Obama was blocked by Republicans the entire time, like completely forgetting that when he was first elected, he had the House and the Senate, you know? So, I mean, it's like, I don't believe that any of this stuff, any of the kind of more progressive policies in Joe Biden's platform is actually important to him um i think that you know he's very centrist center right even and i think like if the public will accept that republicans are the reason that something can't happen i think a biden administration will definitely just take that and relax because they would probably rather not do a lot of these things anyway i do think that there will be some better management of covid because i mean there's just no worse management of covid than trump out there just kind of going from trying to claim that it's fake to it's no big deal to you know like you can't can't do worse than that like any kind of coordinated federal response will be somewhat better you know uh and i definitely think that when it comes to vaccine distribution, which is going to be a really big thing in the next year or two, um, I hope, fingers crossed, like a Biden administration will put uh, people who believe in science in charge of that, you know? So mm -hmm. that, that that's, I don't want to sound like a super negative Nelly, like there won't be anything good. I'm not like a two parties are completely the same person but i do think that both of these parties are primarily concerned with serving their ruling class donors and that you know this is just a kind of a great uh escape hatch to have like a republican controlled senate you know 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it, it, I, I have to believe that it will be significantly better to have a Biden presidency overseeing our federal response to, to coronavirus. Uh, and also, you know, I, again, like obviously, thir- you know, 230,000 people are dead and because we've had no federal response and, you know, Dr. Fauci's getting fucking death threats and has to have a 24 seven bodyguard, which he never had to during the yeah, Obama which, administration. And honestly, that kind of shit should Biden win. Like that's, that kind of shit will probably ramp up it's i mean it's not it's not gonna it's not it's certainly not gonna go away um no of course not but we're what we're dealing with right now is like zero federal response so someone who clearly takes it i mean again i think joe biden sucks and i was not he was not my first choice and i begrudgingly voted for him uh this time but um and and I agree that the fact that the the Senate uh, is going to be Republican controlled means we are are hamstrung. Um, there, ha- I mean, there were some more DSA backed uh, House candidates who won, uh, as we mentioned, Mondor Jones and uh, Cory Bush, Missouri's first district. She rules. She yeah. rules. Um, very cool. We love Corey Bush. Hope to get her on the show. <laughs> if anybody knows her, um, probably she's busy right now. We get it. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Senate's a fucking disgrace. Uh, some of these some of these races. Uh, I I'll continue. Just there there were a few a few Democratic pickups from Republican incumbents uh, in Arizona. Uh, Mark Kelly won. Uh, former astronaut uh, against uh, the the woman who was I can't remember her name and I'm being very misogynist that I'm saying the woman who was appointed after John McCain died I don't remember what her name is Martha McSally that's what it is Martha McSally I mean to be fair to you that is like a very stupid not memorable name yeah it's Martha McSally I got it we got back there Um, yeah so Mark Kelly won uh, and so Arizona now has two Democratic senators. Uh, Colorado picked up uh, picked up a Democratic senator in uh, former presidential candidate John Hickenlooper. Uh, I mean, another just wackadoo name. Um, yeah, who... also like a really kind of shitty centrist. He had oh a, yeah he had a progressive opponent. Uh, I think the guy's name was Romanoff and Elizabeth Warren, of course, endorsed Hick and Looper. I mean, you know, so it's just like, yeah, better so, than but, the Republican, but, you know. Yeah, and he, uh, you know, John Hick and Looper won that race uh, against the Republican incumbent uh, who's been there since 2016 2015 uh so he john hickenlooper won by 10 points uh which is is pretty decisive um georgia is an interesting situation uh john ossoff came the closest out of everyone uh in that uh you know democratic challengers who got a lot of outside funding um David Perdue, the Republican, won with 50.4% of the vote to John Ossoff's 47.3% of the vote. That's pretty, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, almost only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, but that's, I, I guess there are inroads being made in Georgia and states like Georgia and Texas, I think will go blue in our lifetime. Amanda Mall, who writes for the Atlantic is from Georgia. And she was saying that um, the county where Atlanta is, I think it's called Fulton County, uh, currently has the same Biden 
Trump breakdown, voting breakdown that Brooklyn does. So that's pretty encouraging. Obviously, it's only one county in Georgia, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know. I, I mean, it's, I definitely think that the Republican Party is uniquely sadistic. And when people on the left say that it's exactly the same, I, you know, I strongly don't agree with that. But at the same time, I'm not like, I, it's, to me, it's not like so, some of these states like going blue. It's like, what is that even going to mean? Like, who are the Democrats going to be fucking running in, you know, 2024? John Kasich? I don't know. I mean, like, yeah. there is there is definitely uh, just, I mean, it's like, it's a right wing party at this point. And I don't really have a ton of, thoughts today at this moment on like you know for people on the left who like to pay attention to electoral politics and engage with it i don't really know what the path forward is going to be i mean i definitely think that i mean bernie was you know an amazing chance and that didn't work uh for for many reasons, you know, and definitely at least one of the reasons was like the extreme opposition to his candidacy from the Democratic Party establishment. And I don't, I don't know, but I'm not, I am not at this point encouraged by the narrative that these states are going blue or anything because it's like, what the fuck is that even going to mean? You know? Well, okay. That's, I mean, that's fair enough. The, What I will say is the thing that we're kind of skirting and that we're not saying right now is that part of the reason why the Senate map and the presidential map are so uniquely difficult, obviously, is because they're undemocratic by design. The Senate and the Electoral College both give (laughs) swaths of land more representation (laughs) than people. So, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, and I know that this isn't going to happen, but if Biden wins, I would love to see the Democratic Party. Again, this is not going to happen. But I just I would love to see like a national push to do something about the Electoral College because yeah, I mean, there there is a way there is a way to do that even outside of like, the federal government taking an action um or changing the constitution like a lot of states not a lot but there are some states that have basically made it so that you know their electoral votes will go to the winner will be be distributed proportionately based on popular vote yes but uh, you know of course the um states that we now consider red because of how they go in the electoral college uh, with, you know, Texas is never going to do that, obviously, because, and even though, you know, over 5 million people in Texas so far, just with the count so far, over 5 million people voted for Joe Biden. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty close between the two of them. Trump is pulling away a little bit now. Um, but you know, yeah, the issue here is that by design, our country is basically meant to keep people like the Republicans in power. Yeah, and, no, absolutely. Yeah. And it it totally sucks. And it is something that I definitely think that people should be fighting to change. But I also, like, I don't want to be a centrist about this, but I really don't see it changing anytime soon. And when people, like talk about, you know, Biden has like more, more votes in the popular vote or Hillary won the popular vote or something. My attitude about that stuff is like, who cares? Because at this moment, it is not something that affects anything at all. You know, but I mean, I really, I think that that's, that's kind of like our conditioned response at this point. Like, I really think, I think we should be fully outraged once again that seven of the last eight presidential elections have been won by Democrats and we have not had 
seven of those eight elections won by Democrats. Oh, then, yeah. No, I, I definitely think it's I definitely think it's outrageous. It is just like, oh, for sure. And I know it's like a lot of energy to expend. I think we I, I don't know. I, I I just think we can't we can't ever like I, I don't know. I, I don't ever want to get to a place where and I and I think well, actually, you know, we are there where it's like where we're basically saying, you know, who gives a shit that (laughs) yeah no I totally it's I'm not like a who gives a shit person I guess I just I find that this is like a pretty common resistance justification for like it's just one of a litany of excuses for why Democrats don't win that have nothing to do with the fact that the Democratic Party has pretty much entirely moved away from even attempting to meet people's material needs, even attempting to protect workers. Um, And, you know, it's like, it is, there are so many states that used to be like kind of solidly blue that are now kind of permanently red, Kentucky, West Virginia, you know, or like there, there's a lot of states that like used to be purple and now are like, kind of consistently read, you know, and so it's like, I don't know. I just, I'm not. I mean, I mean, the Republican Party is, their entire platform is essentially white grievance politics, which unfortunately does appeal to, an, and, I'm, and I'm not saying that everyone who votes for Trump is a racist, whatever. I'm just saying that that is what the Republican Party is running on. At the 11th hour last weekend, uh, Donald Trump, signed a decree saying that um, he wants to have a national day of remembrance for his words, not mine, uh, persons killed by illegal aliens. And that's directly an appeal to that base. Um, And I, I think that, and I agree with you that the, you know, the Republican, the Democratic Party rather is, nowhere near where I wanted to be, especially at the federal level, um, in terms of addressing people's material needs. Um, but starting in, you know, starting in the, the 1970s and, and before that, the Republican Party adopted a strategy of essentially exploiting racist white fears. And it's Yeah, I know. I mean, but the thing is, is like, I, I don't know. I mean, I can't say for sure, but I think that the reason that that works is because it is, you know, not either, like, you have basically a choice between not having your material needs met by a party that is kind of more left on cultural issues like, um, you know, same-sex marriage and abortion. And, you know, of course, those are all things that are really important to me, you know, Um, probably not at the same time. Usually when I'm in a same-sex relationship, I feel confident that I am not going to have an unwanted pregnancy. But uh, aside from that, like, you know, I think that like, it's pretty much a very similar platform in terms of like, how, how workers will be treated, um, you know, what material needs will be met. And like for people, I think that it's like this, this like right wing white grievance politics that is like misogyny, like all of these like really, really terrible shitty things. I mean, it's like that, it's, I guess if you are like a racist or a misogynist, like why not vote for that stuff. And I think the idea with somebody like Bernie Sanders was like, okay, well, you know, racists still need health insurance. So maybe uh, people could be persuaded to not vote based on their worst impulses, but instead vote based on their material needs. And, you know, I do think that there has been examples of that. And that is, a that's a path that the Democratic Party has decided is not something that they're going to pursue at all. I know? mean, I, um, yeah, I, I, I feel you. I agree with you. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I wish I love Bernie 
and I would vote for him a thousand times over. I don't know if I can sit here and say that I think that he would have done any better uh, in that people's that the people who have the predilection to um, to kind of fall for for white grievance rhetoric uh, wouldn't be compelled by their worst impulses. Um, again, just the fact that more people came out for for Trump this time uh, speaks to that. And I, you know, obviously, uh, I completely agree with you about continually the continual nomination of of centrists uh, at the federal level for our presidential election. I mean, the thing that does get me over and over again is that more people do vote for them than even like, and that is, I don't know. I'm the electoral college has broken me and I am like, we should not live in a fucking country where you can win an election by millions of votes and still lose totally i mean and beyond that like even just all of the hyper partisan gerrymandering that shouldn't be allowed and like republicans have just really worked that to their advantage to create so many permanent red districts you know um you know it's i definitely definitely think that the left should be paying more attention to the things that make it so much structurally harder to win but i also think that i don't know my mind is just like blown by these people who like four years in to a trump administration almost like still refuse to acknowledge that there's anything wrong with the democratic party or you know i think john favreau the pod save bro was tweeting about how it <laughs> had to that. be discussed in private, private like, in yeah, private yeah i mean it's like it's totally unacceptable to criticize democrats people put the blame in so many weird places like well yeah he was about susan sarandon i know Jesus christ he, he was saying that democratic pundits need to dis need to revolve the, resolve these issues in private and i'm like please just i hope you all go lock yourself in a room and yeah. never come out i mean what so, <laughs> so with like no with no participation from the people yeah affected by these policies whatever it is like people are not wrong to think that that is elitist bullshit you know oh and I, totally and i definitely think that there is like there's a revulsion to the elitism in the Democratic Party. There is a revulsion to like this, you know, like just the the emphasis on celebrities and like, I just, I don't know. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, it's just, I, I really, really, really think that it's not like entirely just the like prejudices of people that is like so alienating about the democratic party i i do think that i i do think that that's part of it i think that's a big part of it for a lot of people you know i think like christianity the amount of white evangelical christians that are almost single issue voters on abortion is mm-hmm. huge i definitely think that like this narrative that you know, the Democratic Party is all about uh, taking away the police. And, you know, specifically what that will mean is that like, you know, people will break into your home and invade your family or whatever, you know, like, not. I, I definitely think that that's all part of it. But I, I just, I don't, I guess I just don't see like another way of surmounting it other than other than really making an earnest effort to protect workers and meet people's material needs. And I just, it's so annoying to me, like that people will just put the blame so many other places. I saw someone last night, a very famous comedian blaming Joe Jorgensen for the fact that it looked like Trump was ahead. And it's like, dude, she's taking votes away from Trump. You know what I mean? It's just like anything to avoid looking at the problem, Mm -hmm. which kind of made sense in 2016, but it's like now really we've had four years with it. Like have people really not had any intellectual curiosity during that point to like think about, okay, like why, 
why is this working? Like beyond just the fact that there are a lot of racists in the United States, which there are. Yeah, no, no, no. And I would never, truly, I'm, uh, I'm, again, I don't think that the Republican party is getting single issue voters on, I'm a racist and this is my party. (laughs) I think they are very good at kind of, uh, selling a, a pretty comprehensive, uh, the Republican party is pretty good at selling a kind of like wholesale again, like white grievance, uh, package that they, um, dress up in like less overtly racist language. And sometimes they don't even bother to dress it up, but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I am so tired. I can't think straight. I yeah. <laughs> stayed up yeah, late I, last I, night. I, um, but yeah. I, I just mean, want to talk about like a couple other things before Oh, I, okay. Yeah. And I, I didn't finish. I'll just run through a few of the other Senate elections just before uh, we close out this bit. Um, uh, uh, Doug Jones lost in Louisiana. Um, Louisiana. Oh, Alabama. I'm sorry. Yeah. I wrote LA and I meant AL. Oh, wow. Look at you coastal. (gasps) I wrote LA, but I meant AL. Okay. Um, So um, yeah, I was hanging out with my friend last night when when that election was projected and i i was like i've never heard of tommy tuberville and who is the person who won the republican who won uh 60 40 and um my friend was like oh it's the former football coach for auburn (laughs) is now gonna be the senator the next senator for Alabama. Um, I mean, I don't think that's particularly a condemnation of Doug Jones per se. Honestly, I do think that Alabama is about as red as you get. Um, and that is a, a pretty, and I, I really think that the, the fact that Doug Jones won at all is kind of just because of the stars aligned for him uh, a few years ago during that special election when he was running against Roy Moore and Roy Moore. Yeah. I was just like, and about Roy Moore and about going to the pedophile. mall to pick up Yeah, teams. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah. Um, and just one more is that, um, so the other, besides, uh, the seat that David Perdue won in Georgia, the other Georgia seat is going to a runoff, um, between the Democrat Raphael Warnock and the Republican Kelly Loeffler, who's currently in that seat and was appointed by Governor Brian Kemp in on November of last year. After- oh, she was the lady that invested a lot in Zoom when she heard that there was a pandemic. Yeah, she was recently credibly accused of insider trading. Um, but yeah, she uh, and that that came out this year and. You know, for some reason, Trump's DOJ declined to further investigate her. They closed the books on that investigation. But she and her husband sold $18 million worth of stocks in industries that were uh, vulnerable to the COVID-19 crisis. So that's a fun one, too. Um, So, yeah, that's going to be going into a runoff. We don't know where that one's going yet. Um, but that's all I've got on, on the Senate races. There were others that I didn't mention that were, uh, less competitive, but yeah, Republicans won pretty big and they're going to hold on to the Senate. And we have to look at Mitch McConnell's decaying face for the foreseeable future. As is, as well as his decaying hands. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a couple pieces of good news, uh, Nithya Raman won her race, which is very exciting, ran on a really awesome platform, DSA-backed candidate in LA. Um, Oregon has decriminalized hard drugs and four other states have legalized recreational marijuana, New Jersey, Arizona, Montana, and South Dakota. Um, And Mississippi legalized it for medical use. I definitely think that one thing I'm optimistic about is, you know, it, it does really seem like, Weed is, is going to be legal, which is great because, you know, that is a, a reason that 
so many people have spent years in jail and prison unjustly. Um, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I think that my biggest disappointment of last night was that Prop 22 mm. passed handily in California. And I think that we don't even understand the implications of that yet and how bad that's going to be. Basically, this was Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and Instacart. Like. Spend, yeah, yeah, spending a ton, a ton of money uh, to be able to continue classifying their workers as independent contractors, which means that they you do not have to give them uh, appropriate benefits. They are not able to organize. And, you know, I, the precedent that this sets of a company just being able to write their own labor laws and the way that they went about this, like you had to click that anytime you ordered an Uber in California, you had to click that you would vote yes on 22. Um, anytime that a driver logged on, they had to click that they would vote yes on 22. There was hundreds, there was like over $100 million spent. 200 on, million. 200 million, okay. Yeah, on consultants and ads, you know, and this, so this is now law because um, California has this little experiment with direct democracy through the propositions. So this is now law. And one of the most heinous things about it is that it will, enshrined in this law, it will require seven eighths of the California legislator, legislature to ever change. So it's like basically permanently like this. And I do think that we are gonna start to see more and more companies circumvent any kind of labor law by finding ways to classify their workers as independent contractors, which, you know, we've already seen, right? Like that's already happening. That's already like a big thing for people of our generation and the generation after us. Um, a ton of people are independent contractors that shouldn't be, but I mean, just a company being able to full scale, right. Their own labor laws. I, I don't think that we even understand the impact of that yet and how bad that is going to be over the next years, decades around the country. Right. And I, you know, and I saw some people saying, oh, this is, this is proof that, that California isn't, isn't the liberal haven that you think it is. And I, I agree with that, obviously. I, you know, I don't, but, I, but I do think again, that that is kind of disproportionately blaming everyday voters for the fact that these companies waged an insurmountable fight uh and the level of disinformation is very similar to what we saw uh and we we had actually i think you and i talked about this uh a few years ago uh prop 10 um or no we our podcast didn't exist a few years ago but um, uh, yeah, Prop 10 in, in California was universal rent control. It was just like very basic, a very basic rent control um, law for the state. And it was met with the same sort of kind of corporate offense. Uh, and they, again, spent hundreds of millions of dollars making people believe that most landlords were mom and pop landlords and spreading all sorts of disinformation. Um, I have, I have a lot of friends who did phone banking for, for prop 22 specifically. And they have all said that they have, they had to spend so long on the voters who would talk to them, just kind of undoing a lot of the, the misinformation that had been, had been spread and, uh, one of my one of my friends was saying that a lot of people really thought that the prop proposition was going to do the opposite of <laughs> what it would do. Yeah, no, I so, fully believe that. I fully believe that many people who voted for Prop 22 did so because these companies were so effective at spreading the message that Prop 22 was going to be better for their workers. You know, right. people and, want to control their own schedules. Totally. And I will blame Gavin Newsom for not coming out on one side of it or another, not taking a stand on it. Um, and obviously he's a centrist nightmare as well. 
um, the king of the the fracking permit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I this is what happens when companies can spend unlimited money on political campaigns. Uh, and this is, you know, the I think until in, unless that that changes, we will continue to see this and we need to kind of figure out a response. But I but I I don't know. It feels it really does feel so big. I don't I certainly don't have any ideas right now on, on how to to wage a war on on someone who has a, a two hundred million dollar uh, pot of money to throw at this and they could have spent I'm sure that they could have spent more if they thought they had it they had to um, yeah I mean I don't want to end on a totally down note even though that's like super justified you're not listening to the podcast because you want us to bum you out or maybe you do kind of like that that's why I listen to political podcasts so I do just want to say like even though it feels like there's not a ton of ideas right now about what to do about, you know, some of the shit. It, uh, that doesn't mean that those ideas will not emerge. Like, I definitely remember the day after the 2016 election just feeling like there's no leaders, there's no, like, who it just felt like every it felt like everything good was impossible and that uh we were all out of ideas and you know like bernie ran again in 2020 did not win but like the left has grown so much during the four years of trump and these ideas these leaders these movements will emerge even if the path is not clear at this moment and i am optimistic about that absolutely and you know i say i harp on this all the time but the stars of the democratic party right now are young left women of color and that is to me and you know there there are only more being elected um not just not just women of course but you know um yeah and i i think that that is that is something uh, that we can be hopeful about. And I mean, just, just the fact that like the, the level of engagement that I see from people I know, and I know that I live in a bubble and that Twitter is unrepresented, um, unrepresentative of the American public. Uh, but I don't know. It give, it gives me hope just to see to see the the elections that we have won. Uh, also, Jamal Bowman won his seat, and he was a DSA backed candidate uh, in the Bronx, I believe. Um, so um, I hope that all of all of our DSA backed freshman congressmen have fun fighting it out with the with the QAnon colleagues. <laughs> they're after they're gonna have to deal with. That, that is like kind of a weird dynamic to think about socially that being in Congress means if you happen to be one of the cool people, you still have to like kind of hang out with the QAnon people. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes that'd be really weird. I hate hanging out with QAnon people. I know. I, I mean, we're, we're going to have to address them anyways. Um, yeah. But I, I, I will say that I never want to see Nate Silver again. <laughs> no, oh my God. I mean, it's like... He I feel like I gave him the rounds. Chance. Yeah, he must have just been making the rounds last night. I was watching ABC News, which by the last night, which uh, that was just the first channel that I uh, my TV was on. So that's I just stuck with it the whole night. And what a cursed group of consultants! There were four contributors on the panel. One of them was former Governor Chris Christie, and another one of them was Rahm Emanuel. <laughs> And they're permanent ABC contributors. Insane. But yeah, I don't know. Um, But yeah, uh, they kept cutting to Nate Silver. I just imagined that he was switching back and forth between all the different networks going, going live to them at different points. Um, But yeah, I truly never want to see him. again. No, I never want to see his fucking face again. And on that note, on that note, (laughs) let's, uh, 
let's end this podcast. Uh, we will have a new episode on Patreon for you this weekend. And hopefully next week we'll know more. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Reply, guys. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Uh, the show is hosted by Kate Willett and me, Julia Clare. Our producer is Genevieve Garrity. Our theme song was performed by Emily Fremgen, who wrote the song with Kate Willett. Our artwork is by Adrian Lobel. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Kate Willett with two L's and two T's. And I'm at OJuliaTweets, O-H julia tweets and twitter is where you can also find our reply guys they are always with us bernie take us out as i went walking that ribbon of highway i saw above me that endless skyway I saw below me that golden valley. This land was made for you and me. This land is your land.